his three most important spiritual habits, the two-step framework on how to live a life of faith, why faith isn't meant to be a checklist, the difference between confidence and arrogance, what humility really means and how to practice it, how to appropriately raise your kids in faith, and so much more coming right up. This is episode number three, two, one, with pastor of North Star Church, Mike Lynch. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. Do you want to go from unmotivated to work out to more disciplined than ever before? If so, then go check out the Best You 10-week transformation program that gives you the ability to set a worthy goal, create a predictive and workable game plan, and it maximizes your discipline through accountability. Visit go.nickcarrier.com slash 10-week program to get started from anywhere today. Today, I'm super excited to bring you guys this unique episode with the one and only Mike Lynch. Mike is the senior pastor of North Star Church in Ackworth, Georgia. He's the host of Lynch with a Leader podcast. He was voted in John Maxwell's top 30 leaders in America for the John Maxwell Transformational Leadership Award. And he won Citizen of the Year in 2013 for the city of Ackworth. Now, whether or not you're a person of faith, I think this podcast can still be super valuable to you. We're going to talk about why there is so much anxiousness in our world today and how we can alleviate that. We talk about the difference between confidence and arrogance. We talk about what the path to the best version of ourselves looks like and so much more. Before diving in, be sure you're just subscribing to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast on Apple Podcast app, on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share the episode with a friend or family member while you're listening. All you got to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Mike Lynch. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Nick Carrier's Best You Podcast. I could not be more fired up today to bring on the one and only Mike Lynch. Mike, I just want to start off by saying thanks so much for spending the time with me today. Man, it is great to be with you, Nick. I can't wait. Can't wait to see where this conversation goes, and it's an honor to be with you, buddy. Me as well. Me as well. I know it's going to be full of uh, positivity and great energy and, and everything like that. You know, we spoke uh, via Zoom a few weeks ago now, and I knew after having gotten the chance and the opportunity to speak with you, I was like, I've got to have this this guy on. And I know that he's going to be so beneficial for me selfishly, and I know that he's going to be able to serve so many uh, people in my audience. And so just to introduce you real quick, you're the senior pastor of North Star Church in Ackworth, Georgia, or Kennesaw, Georgia. Uh, you're the host of Lynch with a Leader podcast. Um, and uh, you, and back in 2013, you won Citizen of the Year back in, in Ackworth, Georgia. That's pretty cool. I thought that was awesome. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty unique. But the kind of way I want to start is kind of orient our listeners a little bit with your story. So you played baseball at Liberty College. Um, and then after that, pretty pretty immediately back in, in 1997, you started in ministry with with North Star Church, and then you kind of took it over in, in 2003. So talk us through a little bit of that decision making. I know from our previous conversation that you knew pretty early on in your life that ministry is the thing that you were called to do and the thing that you wanted to do. So talk to our listeners a little bit about how that decision kind of came about. Yeah, it's a great question. So you know, I was I was going down that baseball track, like you said, at Liberty. And, uh, you know, for, for the majority of players in the world, we all, at some point, somebody tells us our services are no longer needed. So <laughs> mine actually came my senior year of college. I was there on scholarship, came my senior year of college, and I ended up being a bullpen coach my senior year. 
Um, but I knew, you know, you, you know, that, that, that day's coming out, that is coming to an end. And I had to make that decision. Am I going to go the coaching route, which I could have really enjoyed, or am I going to go to that ministry route? And I just felt like with the skill set I'd been given and with the things I wanted to do, I felt like that was that call that was on my life to help people figure out that very best. Cause I think all of us deep down in our core are trying to get life lined up and there's a spiritual component in all of our lives. And I felt like well, that's where I want to spend my life and spend my time. So I, I chose that track. The beautiful part is they've merged again where I work a lot in the athletic world, but uh, that's why I chose that ministry route back in gosh, that was 1991. When I graduated, we started North Star in 97 and started that church in Northwest Atlanta. So, yeah, man, it's been a great ride. Yeah, that's awesome. So, again, to maybe dive even in deeper to that, because, you know, you you, you say you tell everybody it was either coaching or ministry. And most people are like, I have no idea what the hell I want to do. And and so so bring us back a little bit in time. So, like, did you grow up? Uh, in faith, did you grow up with a religious family? How did how was ministry automatically that that second opportunity or that second thing that you uh, maybe wanted to dive into? Yeah, so I grew, I did grow up in a family that went to church, and man, about the age of fourteen, I made that decision to make faith mine. Not just my mom and dad's, not my grandparents, but to make that faith mine. And I had the beauty of growing up here in Atlanta in a great church, in a church that. Even as a student, I looked at it and went, now that's something I would love to do one day because I saw the difference those guys made in my life. My youth pastor back then was a former college football player, standout football player. And man, I saw what he poured into me. I saw the direction he gave me and the purpose he gave me. And I just remember growing up going, I could see myself doing that. And and like any industry, I said, well, if I'm going to do it, I need to try it. So Really, freshman, sophomore, um, junior years of college, I worked in ministry to see, is this something I'm going to enjoy or is it something I just am going to do on the side? Because I I think, and I, and I want to say this too, I think I could have been used either way. You yeah. know, I, I think I could have been used in coaching. I think I could have been used in ministry, but I felt like that ministry call of that's what I'm supposed to do all lined up with my gifts and my abilities and, and really with open doors, you know, Mm -hmm. doors were opening for me to be able to do that. So that's how I knew great background, great breeding ground, really in a lot of ways, Liberty provided a lot of opportunities to meet a lot of people in that ministry world. So man, my life just sort of lined up on that trajectory. Yeah. It sounded like as you said, when you were at a young age, you had a lot of people who were people of faith who had a great influence on you and a positive impact on you. So that was it. But then you said also the the combination of opportunity and your your own ability kind of all lined up together. So it sounded like to me that was one of the biggest reasons why it was so clear to you at a young age. Now, I think it was in our past conversation, you you said this quote. Uh, that the best version of you is who God created you to be. And I kind of believe that whether you're, even if you're not a person of faith, like my, my belief is that every single day, our challenge is to gain clarity on kind of who that person is supposed to be. 
our, our, our challenge every single day is to gain clarity on what does the best version of myself look like? Who, who is the best version of myself? What am I supposed to be? What kind of skills, talents, experiences does that person have? And then how can I reverse engineer that person into reality? And so to kind of go back to your quote of the, the best version of you is who God created you to be. I know this is kind of a big question, but what, is, what are things that we can do to gain more clarity on who it is that, that God created us to be? So, you know, I, I believe that every person's created uniquely. I think when God put Nick Carrier together, he gave him unique gifts and abilities and things that you can do, nobody else can do. And that's why he knit you together that way. And I believe it for all your listeners that that behind all of this, there, there is a God out there that incredibly loves us and has an incredible plan for our lives. So I think part of that journey is journeying to figure out who that person is. So we discover, all right, if I've got a creator who has knit me together uniquely and individually and given me gifts and abilities nobody else has, I need to get to know that creator. And so we need mm. to go on a search. We need to go on a search of figuring out who that is. And I think the second component of that is, you know, in the in the New Testament, um, Jesus, they they ask him of all the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, what's what's the most important? And Jesus boiled them down to two. He said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbors yourself. So if we can spend our lives in a search for loving God for who he is with everything we've got, and we love the people around us, how do we not make this world a better place to live? How do you argue with it? Because all of a sudden you've got somebody that is seeking a higher purpose and they're adding value to the people around them. Life's not about them. It, it just makes everything line up. And then we find in that journey, we find that best version of ourselves. You and I talked about, you know, in the New Testament, there's a there's a verse on King David, and it said, David served his purpose in his generation, and then he was done. And man, can you imagine the postscript of our lives going, yep, they did everything I created them to do, which means they loved me with everything they had, and they loved others with everything they had. It's a pretty good life. Yeah. So, you know, you mentioned that those two commandments in regards to loving God with all your, all your heart, all your soul and uh, treating your neighbor as yourself. Do you think then that like the best version of ourself is essentially the one who learns how to love God the most and the one that can serve the most people in the most effective way? Is that kind of a very generally speaking kind of like, idea or, or or thought as to what the best version of ourself should look like? I do. And and I think because if if my goal isn't to serve others, then the the natural opposite of that, that is I'm serving myself, which mm -hmm. the best version of ourselves is never selfish. The best version of ourselves is when we're, I don't know if you've read any of Bob Goff stuff, the best version of ourselves is when love does. When we look around and go, man, life's not about me. Life's about other people. Then life begins to make sense. So I've been given the gifts, abilities, talents I've been given, not to perpetuate my career, but to make my life a benefit to the people around me. Now, 
doesn't mean we don't make money. It doesn't mean we don't strive. It doesn't mean it just means we get life's not about us. Cause that's a, yeah. that's like a circle, you know, that we just can't get out of. But when life's about others, man, it gives our life purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny because I really feel like that's how I have tried to think about how I can get closer to the best version of myself. Cause that's what I think about on a daily basis. How the hell can I get closer to the best version of myself? I feel like I've, I've thought about that. I haven't necessarily thought about it in regards to like, I haven't put the the two and two together from the regards to the commandment. You know, I grew up Catholic and, and read the Bible all the way through and, and did all that kind of studying and stuff, but I've gotten away a little bit from scripture itself a little bit. And so like, it's a little bit reassuring to me that I feel like I've done some, maybe some of the things without knowing I necessarily have, but to kind of go to that, that second part in regards to love does, and it's about serving other people. It's not about serving yourself. It's not about being selfish. I feel like there are certain people of faith potentially who take that sometimes to the extreme and they don't take care of themselves at all. I mean, right. I think, I think mothers are the number one, like selfless stereotype person. And sometimes they don't take care of themselves first. And sometimes that comes to their detriment, right? So where's the balance in regards to, I need to make sure I take care of myself so that I can maximally serve others. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it's also, it's, it's funny. It's in the new Testament that, that Paul says our body's a temple and we should mm. take care of that. And so to be the best version of ourselves, I can't be the best version of myself if I'm not around. So there's a, there's a, there's a part of it that we have to do the things necessary to make sure we're in good physical condition. You know, I mean, life is spiritual, it's emotional, it's health, it's all those things wrapped into one. And so, yeah, it's incredibly important. We can't, we can't give out of something we don't have. I can't yeah. give out of a, a tank that's empty. So we've got to, we've got to refill our tank and get, you know, I'm a, I'm an extrovert people person. Well, that's great. As long as I'm, I'm giving out of something positive and not drained and empty and giving out of negative. And then I get angry. Words are either my, my, my blessing or my curse. One of the two. And, yeah. and it, it just depends. Depends on where, if you're coming from a positive place, it depends if you're filled up. Exactly right. Am I healthy or unhealthy? That's exactly yeah. right. Yep. Nope. I like that. I think that's powerful. What do you think? So I, I remember when I first got asked this question like a year and a half or two years ago, and it it kind of blew me away that I was asked the question. And the, and the question was, why is it important to get closer to the best version of ourselves? And I was like, I just feel like that shit. Like, I just feel like it's, what do you mean? Like, I feel like that's a, that's not a question that needs to be asked. Is that a rhetorical question? Like, but like people, like someone asked me that, like, why do you feel like it's so important that we get closer to the best version of ourselves? And so I started to do a lot of thinking about that and, and put some, and, and have some thoughts down. But what, what do you think is your answer to that? I know very big question. Yeah. I, I think it's important because we've got one life to live. I don't believe there's do-overs. I don't think I, I don't think I get a second chance. You know, my kids now are about the age of you are 27 and 24. You know, those years they were at home. I don't, I don't get a redo. I don't get to rewind. We don't, we don't get to take them back to seven and, and, and 10 years old and go, Hey, let me get a redo as a dad. Every day counts. 
and, and every moment counts and we're not promised forever here on this earth. So I got to make the most of every day. So to be the best version of myself means I maximize the days I've been given. And what it's, it's that old quote, you know, it's not um, the duration of time we're here on this earth, but it's the donation that we make while we're here on this earth. Some people pack it in 30 years, some people pack it 90, but all of us in that dash, we get a chance to make something of our days. That's why it matters. Do you think that the, the aspiration to become the best version of yourself, is that something, is that kind of like what Jesus and what Christianity is kind of revolved around? Is that like what they are calling us to do kind of to a certain extent? Yeah. I mean, even so that's, that's the beauty of this, Nick. And I'm glad you're asking about that because I think so many times we've made, we've made it a religion and we've made it something, well, I gotta, you know, I gotta go and check it off and make God happy. And the reality is it's not about making God happy. It's about discovering who he is to change our lives here. And so, you know, when you go back to Christ's life, it gives us a template of how to live. You know, they say when you're walking in him, they call it the fruit of the spirit. So what are those? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want a spouse like that? Who doesn't want a friend like that? Who doesn't want a boss like that? Who doesn't want a coach like that? You know, do I want a coach that's angry or do I want a coach that's peaceful? Do I want a coach that hates me because I made an error? Or do I want a coach that he loves me unconditionally? He's mad at the error, but he loves me unconditionally. So when the closer we get to that model that he left for our lives, the more those things come out of our lives. And they're all things we all want at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I don't know if you follow Dr. Jordan Peterson at all, but he talks a lot about how he, he does a lot of studying of the Bible and just religious texts in general. And he talks about how, you know, Jesus is an essentially an aspirational figure that allows us to have something to work towards and strive to become more like. And when you feel yourself or or see yourself getting closer and closer to that model as you go throughout life, then you know, that, that's, that's a source of meaning. That's a source of, of kind of motivation for yourself. Like I am progressing towards closer to the aspirational identity that I'm supposed to be moving towards. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, and I think that God left us, he, you know, he sent, he sent Jesus to give us that picture of mm-hmm. what selflessness really looks like. And I think it gives us a model to live after. And I think it also gives us a person to live for. and in something bigger than this life. Because really, at the end of the day, if I achieve everything here and there's nothing after this life, what have I really achieved? You know, I should have just made it about me. But I believe, and I think a lot of other people believe, probably a lot of your listeners believe, there is something bigger I'm striving for and there is something bigger I'm living for. And it just, it, it gives me a reason to get out of bed tomorrow morning. It gives me a purpose bigger than just whatever my occupation may be. Yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. That Jesus gives us a model to live after, but also something to to live for. 
um, or someone to live for. You, you mentioned a few minutes ago how everybody has a spiritual component of their lives, whether they, they think they do or not, there's a spiritual component to their life. And, and I kind of, when I think about getting closer to the best version of ourselves, I think about this, these six different categories of life. I think there's your career. I think there's your personal life. I think there's relationships. I think there's your financial life. I think there's your health. And I think there is career. I can't remember if I mentioned that or not, but, um, or did I mention spiritual life? Anyway, spiritual life is one of the six. And I think that at all times in our life, we need to be trying to fill each of those cups to a certain extent. Now, to how much is going to vary person to person, season of the life by season of their life. But the way that I, I like to go about getting closer to the best version of myself is I think, okay, this month, what does success look like for me in each of these categories? And I try to specifically kind of come up with practical things that I can do that are the definition of my success so that I feel like I'm, I can see myself physically getting closer to the best version of myself when I do those things. So I'm to kind of get to, to the point when I, right now, when I do spiritual, my spiritual life and how to get, how to, what's my definition of success Sometimes it's hard for me to nail down exactly what that is supposed to be. Like sometimes I've been writing down, just watch YouTube church uh, on Sundays for 45 minutes and like four times this month. And, you know, I I'll, I do other things to say my prayers at night and do stuff like that. But because spiritual, our spiritual lives and because faith is so intangible, it's hard for me to come up with things. So I guess kind of the question is, what are some some practical things that we can do or yeah some and th- things that can give us some security and some confidence that we are making progress in that area of our lives yeah and i think progress is the is the operative word yeah 15 minutes later <laughs> after i get- progress is the operative word because i th- it's never going to be perfection right you're never going to get it all right but progress is the word second part of that is it was never created to be a checklist so even mm-hmm. if you go back to the New Testament, a lot of the junk that was going on was they had this group, they had these group of rulers that that said, okay, we're going to make this, we're going to make it tangible. So you're going to mm-hmm. have to follow not 10 rules, but there were 630 plus different rules. That's what made you religious. And yeah. then Jesus shows up and he goes, no, nah, it's really not about any of that. It's about knowing something way bigger I am the, I'm the guy. So my challenge would be in that go number one, open yourself up and say, God, if there's something more out there, I want, I want to know second, begin reading through scripture. I mean, just take, take a book, take the book of John and just go, I'm going to walk through the book of John. And the great thing is there's plenty of people out there can give you links so you can learn more, watch a church service on Sunday to help you understand a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the Bible really, at the end of the day, it isn't that complicated. It's it's It was written in everyday language, so we would be able to understand it. And man, I, I would say this, Nick, the majority of people that end up finding that best version of themselves all began that journey somewhere, somehow. They went, all right, I'm I'm good on all these other things, but that piece... I'm not fulfilled until that piece is straight. And so they begin a journey. And there's been 
millions through our through this world that have gone, all right, I'm going to start that journey from Haiti to the Dominican to China to Ackworth, Georgia. I mean, that people have gone on that journey. And so that would be my challenge is read, set aside time to read, to learn, truly learn, get a good book. And, uh, and then, and then find a church you enjoy on Sunday and watch it and listen to it, or find one you like watch it and listen and then attend it and see what you think. That'd be, that'd be my challenge. Yeah, no, I like that. And that, that gives me, it gives me a sense of peace in regards to the first thing you said. It's like, it's not meant to be a checklist. And and sometimes I try to boil everything down into a checklist or like, okay, what? Yeah. Well, it's like, well, it, you know, it always gives you so much clarity and confidence. And when you get some sort of framework, like, okay, that's all I got to do. And then, then it'll be all good. Um, so that's, that's good. I like that. Um, and I know that's good. That's going to be really pertainable to a lot of, a lot of my audience because, I think a lot of people, a lot of everybody listens to my audience or my audience is ambitious people and they want to know like, okay, how can I, how can I improve in this? And, and, and they're probably, they're looking for the, that same thing. Okay. What are steps I can take? Um, awesome. That's, that's awesome though. Um, so faith in general is kind of a word that, is, that kind of means believing without seeing. There's what I, what I've learned, what I've learned to be the general definition of it. And to kind of step away a little bit from spirituality, if you will. I think that an individual having the ability to have faith in themselves or the most critical factors in regards to them getting closer to the best version of themselves is whether or not they believe in themselves, whether or not they have faith in their own abilities to do something that they've never done before. Because that's, you know, your faith or, or having courage isn't, isn't, um, not having fear or, or it's, it's moving in spite of that. And it's, it's moving, not knowing if you have the ability to do it. So how can one start to build the, the faith in themselves and the belief in themselves that they can do things that they've never done before? You know, and I think we all walk that line. And I, and I love that because I think we all walk that line of confidence and arrogance. You know, arrogance is a mm. terrible thing. Confidence is a great thing. Self-confidence is going, listen, I've been given gifts and abilities to achieve something. Arrogance is the world can't live without me. And, and so getting to that point is a journey we all have to take. I don't know a leader in any sphere that doesn't get out of bed some mornings and look in the mirror and go, I'm, I don't know how I got this job. I don't know. <laughs> so, so they, they must've had a bad day the day they put me in the seat. But, but the reality is you got to suck it up and you've got to be courageous enough to go. I may not feel like the leader now, but I am the leader. So confidence grows when positive steps are taken. And you know this, I mean, from the health world, it's the small things before the big things. We're not yeah. going to start on Z. We're going to start by going, man, I'm going to have a positive view. I'm not going to do negative talk. I'm not going to, you know, blindside my own self and sabotage my own self by going, well, yeah, I'm really, I'm not worth it or I'm not good enough. That's how we destroy relationships. That's how we destroy jobs. So there's this self-confidence. Every great leader figures out while maintaining humility. And, mm -hmm. you know, and they, and they say humility isn't 
thinking of less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. So you're not, you're not trying to be, you know, the world can't live without me. You, you understand it can, but yet I also know I've been gives, given gifts and abilities and I got to exercise those gifts and abilities. And so that's the confidence piece. And it is a, it is a line every athlete walks, you know, every CEO will walk, everybody trying to build a career in any industry. They all walk that line, but we gain confidence little bit by little bit by little bit. And we look back and we go, oh, so I was able to do those things. So I can do this. We're going to take a brief pause in the interview really quickly because if you're somebody who is looking to achieve a fitness goal or maybe you lack motivation to get into the gym, you lack some structure in your weekly routine, or maybe you've been wanting to get back into the fitness game and get back to maybe your weight loss goal or whatever goal it is, and you're not really quite sure how. If that sounds like you, my 10-week program is for you because I help everybody set a very specific goal. Then we create a very specific strategy of the two or the three things that we need to do every single week that we believe are going to make us successful with our overall goal. And then I'll help you execute and I'll help you hold you accountable every single week. So you do the things that you kind of know you should be doing, but you're, you're not quite doing them right now. And that's what I've done with hundreds of people over the past 365 days, over the past a little over a year. And I want you to make sure that you are part of it as well. And enough for me, I want you to hear from the people who have done it in the past, what they've got out of it and, and why they did it in the first place. So here you go. I cannot say enough good things about Nick's 10 week program. I have always been somebody who has worked out, but never really had a fitness goal. If anything, I really wanted to achieve. It was more so just to stay in shape. And Nick does a great job of helping you not only define the goal, but also realize what steps you need to take to get there. Tomorrow, as of my weigh-in week nine, I hit my goal of losing 25 pounds in 10 weeks. Just the whole methodology of the program with it being one big goal, followed by some smaller goals to help me reach that big goal and then the weekly commitments to help me reach those smaller goals. During these times, it's helped strengthen my mental health and strengthen my focus and really made sure to hold me accountable to my goals. I'm so happy that I was able to hit the goal and uh, so much so that I decided to do another 10 weeks with Nick. I would recommend it to anybody, no matter what your goals are, if it's weight loss, if it's running a shorter mile, if it's anything you would like to achieve, I think that this program gives you the tools to set yourself up for success. But one of the biggest benefits for me, and the biggest takeaway I had was one I wasn't necessarily set out to improve upon, and that was building more self-confidence and really instilling self-accountability. The program was great. Um, I'm doing it again a second time to continue my weight loss, and I just can't recommend it enough. So again, guys, if you lack motivation, if you lack structure, if you want to get back into your fitness game, but you're not really sure how, then I want you to make sure you go to nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs. Again, nickcarrier.com slash 10-week programs to learn more. For now, let's get back to the interview. I think that's that's so key. You're going to make me run out of space in my paper writing down everything you're saying. Um, confidence grows when positive steps are taken. And I love that. And then the humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. I've, I think I've heard that before, but it's just, it's so, so powerful because I know I was actually having a conversation about this with my brother the other day in regards to, you know, we grow, we grow up learning the the value of humility. And sometimes that does hold ourselves back from potentially seeking out opportunities that we actually 
should have the confidence to seek out. Um, but, but, and then the, the other thing I really wanted to touch on was confidence grows when positive steps are taken. And that's essentially, like you said, I know that from the health and fitness space and I do specifically fitness goal setting coaching with people. And so we start off with the end in mind. We start off, okay, what's the goal? And then we always bring it down to, okay, what do we need to do on a, on a weekly basis? And then, okay, what do we need to do on a daily basis? And so people, I, everybody keeps scoreboards. And so people will be writing down like, okay, I need to make sure I go to bed at 10 PM on the nights before I work out to increase the likelihood that I actually wake up and work out. Right. So it's like, it's not necessarily be seeking that the losing weight or whatever the goal is right away. It's the confidence builds when you actually go to bed at 10 o'clock and when you actually wake up on time and get your workout in. And I, I truly believe that self-confidence is a practice in following through with the promises that you make to yourself. And that's, and that's what I, that's what I try to preach to the people in my program. I'm like, I want you to be successful with your overall goal. Don't get me wrong, but success in the program isn't success with your overall goal. Success in this program is following through with the promises that you make to yourself. And so I don't even, I, I've heard that from, I've heard that phrase from a few people and I've really adopted it. But is there something in faith or in, in, in Jesus's life or in the Bible that teaches the importance on being a person of your word to yourself? Hey, you got to prepare me better, Nick, man. You throw, <laughs> you throw me, throw me under the bus here. Um, <laughs> You know, I think all the time throughout Jesus's ministry, you know, he told he told so many stories, he told parables, and he told parables about people that some followed through and some didn't follow through. Some mm-hmm. did it right, and then the scripture is all full of great characters from the Old Testament. You got David and Moses and Abraham, and and you. What I love about it is you've got stories of times they did it right, stories of times they did it wrong. And that's what I love about it. I mean, you, 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 for every good story I can tell, I can tell you a a guy's horror story that just got left for everybody else to read. So yeah, the, the Bible is full of them. And I'm just trying to think right now, a specific time Jesus said something about it, but I think back through scripture as a whole, and there was lots of times that there were characters that lived out that best version, Joseph in the Old Testament. It's great character in the Old Testament. Everything went against Joseph, but yet you find Joseph continuing to do the right thing all the time. And he followed through on what he believed all the time. His brothers throw him into slavery. He's thrown in a pit. He's forsaken. He's put in prison. And then later on, when he becomes the number two guy in all of Egypt, and his brothers need food, he forgives them. And so it's this incredible story of somebody living out what they're daily trying to do. Does that make sense? I think, yeah. does that answer the question? No, I definitely think it does. And and it, it, that that example, I'm glad you gave that, gave that example because I think that it, it hit home for me in regards to one of the things that happens when people don't follow through with what they say they're going to do or what they kind of believe in is when it comes it becomes convenient to not follow through or it becomes easier to not follow through because it's you know for example if somebody says i'm going to get a run in on sunday and then they have a long sunday their car breaks down whatever happens and it's sunday night and they haven't gotten their run in it's easy to just be like i've had i have a good excuse not to so i'm not going to do it 
And, but the, the person who really is treating it like a promise is going to go get that run in, in, in the evening, no matter how tired they are, whatever. And, and it's like, you know, you give the example of, of Joseph, he would have had a convenient excuse to be like, no, I'm not going to do this now. Like you you kidding me, but he still followed through with what he believed in. So for me, that really hit home. Good. Good. I'm so, but I did. I did. If I get it, did I, <laughs> I did, did I fail I did or put, did I get an A? Okay, good. I'll take a hey, B. I'll take a solid B. <laughs> I'll give you a B plus. Um, if uh, if I knew I was going to ask that question beforehand, then I would have prepped you. But I I, I didn't know I was going to ask that before, beforehand. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, to kind of transition into your like being a pastor and being a mentor for the people that that come to your church, are there any biggest questions, comments, concerns that people have right now who are, who are coming to church in regards to their, they feel lost because of a certain reason they feel anxious or what's some of the biggest questions, comments, or concerns that you're, you're getting from people right yeah, now? Yeah, I think everybody feels anxious right now. I think it yeah. is an incredibly anxious time because it's a time we're living in. There's no answers and there's no, I was with a doctor today you know, here we are in the, you know, end of summer, I'm with a doctor today. And I'm like, when is this craziness going to go away? And he said, it could be two or three years. Well, that's, yeah. that's not the news I wanted. Right. So there's an anxiousness in people. And I think that there is a, um, I think we live in an incredibly divided world. I think we live in a, in a world that it's not about, um, it's not about people anymore. It's about sides and it's about, you know, issues and, and we've lost sight of really a lot of things and that causes anxiousness. So I think, and it goes down into kids' lives. I think any counselor would tell you that they are full. Their counseling docket is full because people are just, they're just restless and they don't understand and they don't know. And, you know, from the job market, some, some Mm -hmm. jobs are blowing up Mm -hmm. and then others are really, really suffering. So it's, it's just a little bit of all that in the world. So anxiousness is a great word to describe where a lot of people are right now. Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on the, on why do you think so? Why, where do you think the anxiousness is coming from? But to me, I, I'll, I want to get kind of give my thoughts real quick first, because I think generally speaking, I know there's other reasons that factor in, in regards to anxiety being just engrossing somebody. But to me, anxiety comes from a sense of not on the right track. It it comes from a sense of not feeling aligned with the track that you're supposed to be on. And the kind of precondition for that is you have to be on a track. <laughs> you, have, you have to know you're it, like, if you don't feel on track, then a lot of people don't feel on track or, or they feel anxious because they don't know the track or the path that they're on. And so you have to have a path to be on in order to know how to get back on track and how to get rid of that anxiousness. And I think honestly, a large part of that is how faith and, and, and religion and spirituality have probably become less and less a part of people's lives because like I mentioned er, like I mentioned earlier with that Dr. Jordan Peterson's thoughts is like the reason why a lot of these religions or spirituality exists is to give us a path is to give us 
an aspirational aspirational identity to create a path to work towards. And a lot of people don't have that path to work towards and they don't even know that they're on a path in the first place. So of course they're going to feel misaligned and it's easier to get back on track if you know the path that you're on. And I think that people are not on a path right now, which is leading to anxiousness. I don't know how great of a job I did at explaining my thoughts there, but I want to give your, get your thoughts in regards to where is the anxiousness being coming from? Yeah. So I think there's two parts of it. I think, I think your part is definitely a part of that. I think there's a second part of it. There's a difference between anxiousness and anxiety. So I think Mm -hmm. there are those that have clinical anxiety. There is something that's pushed the button and it has gone past. and, And I think all of them would tell you this word. This is the word that they would all say. I feel overwhelmed. And the overwhelmed is causing me to feel anxious. And the anxiousness then leads to anxiety and worry and doubt and fear. And all those things are all sort of all morphed together. And so, you know, life is dawning, you know, and if, and if I take it all and I tell it, so anytime somebody goes through a death, we just dealt with it two weeks ago, I did a funeral for a family. Our challenge to that family is take it one day at a time. Don't don't worry about next week. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next month. How am I going to do this? Just take it one day at a time. If you take it one day at a time, we can live in day-sized compartments. When we get overwhelmed, we can't take it one day at a time. I'm looking at a bill I've got coming in that I don't know how I'm going to pay and I'm looking at what's this world going to be like for my kids to grow up in. And then I'm looking at, you know, is there going to be another shutdown? Blah, blah. And, and, and it all just piles up and we do get off track and we, we overwhelm ourselves. And I have a good friend. Um, in fact, I've got him coming on. He's not a good friend. I shouldn't say that. He is a gentleman I've got coming on my podcast. I've gotten his book and it's called out of the cave. And he, he compared when he said those things caused him to go into a cave. And, and his line in the book is really good. He said, when you're in a cave, a moth can look like a bat because mm-hmm. it's so dark. And that's what anxious does. Anxiousness causes us to go into depression. And depression leads us into those cave moments. And then we isolate. Our, then we go from being people people to isolating ourselves. And now we're by ourselves and we're weathering it all. We don't tell anybody how we're feeling. We just weather it. We just take it all on. And then I get on social media and everybody else's life looks great. And mine's crappy. And I, I don't understand. And so it's all of those things. And it, and it happens to the best of people, the most positive people it can happen to. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned how your recommendation or your advice to this family is to take it one day at a time. Is that kind of the advice that you give to yourself if if you start to feel anxious, if you start to feel overwhelmed? Is it just like, look, <laughs> block it all out, zone in and take it one day at a time? Uh, 100% because if if I don't, I'm no good to anybody. Mm. And I can feel I can feel it coming, man. You can you can feel it creeping up and so a lot of times man our life's out of rhythm. Our life's out of balance. We're not resting. We're not taking a day. You know, you even you even go back to the rhythm that, you know, back in the Old Testament, they call it the Sabbath. And God created in six and he said, rest on the seventh. Well, for some reason, we just feel like we're immune to that. So we just drive our life car, you know, and we wonder why we burn out. 
It's because we have no rhythm to our lives. There's no downtime. We're always on. Our phone's always on us. And we feel overwhelmed. And we get to feeling anxious. I can't keep up with the emails. Can't keep up with the text. Stuff just chases us. And for me, when I live in that day-sized compartment, I just handle things better. I'm, I'm emotionally smarter than I am if I start worrying about next week, next month, next year. It's just, it's just too much because I have no control over it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so good. And that's, I think that's when I am doing a good job of honing in on today, that's definitely when I'm in, in my, in the zone or, or feeling the best as well. And, and usually I'm, I'm, I'm always, I'm pretty good at it because I have kind of, I always devote a little, I have a journal and devote kind of one day to, and I don't have, and so just if I can just zone in on that, that sheet of paper every single day and, and, and just realize that nothing else matters at the moment, then I just become so much more f- focused and, and present in each day. But uh, anyway, I think that's great. Um, I want to get down to the last couple of questions. I could talk about this all day long. This has been been so much fun. And this is a question that I had prepared beforehand because it was something that I actually this morning thought about. And I was like, I wonder what he's going to say this. Um, what do you, how have you navigated, you have two kids, how have you navigated raising your kids in faith in a manner that, you know, it's not shoving it down their throat. It's allowing them to make choices and have beliefs of their own. How have you kind of intentionally navigated through raising your kids in faith? So I'll answer that by saying both of my kids are in full-time ministry as well, which is interesting. Um, not, I thought neither of them would do that. I thought my son was going down the Major League Baseball route as first front office work. My daughter, I thought, was going the psychology field. Um, so I had a guy say this, and so this isn't a this isn't an original phrase, but I think it maybe sets up where we are. I asked him that question, that exact question. So he's a he's a he's a uh, recording artist in Nashville, and his dad was a pastor. And I said, so what did your dad do right? What did he do looking back? And this is what Dave Barnes was the guy's name. So what Dave said, he said, my dad lived a functional faith. And I said, well, unpack that for me. What did that mean? He said he had the same faith at home. He lived if he would have been an accountant or a doctor or a teacher. It was just his faith. And he pointed us the right direction and he let it become our faith. And that's what we tried to do. You know, when they're little, we guided them. Of course, we took them to church. We read them the Bible and all those kind of things. But as they got into their their middle school and high school years, I got them on the path. Now they've got to figure it out for themselves. Now they've got to they've got to go on this journey because if I'm shoving it down their throat, the minute they walk out of this house, they're going to do their thing. And preachers' yeah. kids are notorious for doing all kinds of things. And so, you know, they're they're going to go their own way. And so we, I, my wife and I, tried to live a life that's exactly like I would have lived if I were doing anything else. And so this was a big thing to me, Nick, because. It's so easy to stand up and speak on something on Sunday and sound like you have it all together. And then Monday live like hell in your house and yeah. the kids go, he's nothing. He's nothing on Monday like he is on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that sends people the wrong way. So yeah. 
Was it perfect? Heck no. Did I yell at him? Probably too much. So it wasn't perfect, but but we always tried to make positive progress. As John Maxwell would say, when we failed, at least we failed forward yeah. and we didn't fail backwards. And so um, that was that's probably what we did. We we didn't know probably what we were doing a lot of the ways that we did it. We were pretty young parents. You know, I think my um, when we had Casey, I was 25, 26, and oh, wow. my wife was she was young. So, I mean, she was 20, she's a year behind me, 25, 24, somewhere in there. And, but we said, okay, I want to raise my kids. Those were our two goals. I want to raise my kids to love the Lord, to love our family and to love the church. Those are our three goals. Mm -hmm. Now what they choose to do, which direction they choose to go, but that's what we, so we had an end game in this whole thing. And we talked about it all the time. And so you know, we're on the back end of that now, 27 and 24, and they've chosen pathways. And now, you know, my daughter's getting married in October. My son's dating a girl real serious, and we'll see where that goes. But I think, you know, I think we laid a path that they were able to walk on. Might be the best yeah. way to say it. Yeah, well, it sounds like you guys did uh, did a great job for sure. To go back on the thing that Dave Barnes said, he was my dad was lived lived a functional faith and the thing that you said that really resonated with me was i guess maybe what he said was he lived the same faith that he would live if he was this job this job this job this job and the thing that came to me and and then and then you talked about how if you see somebody at church on sunday and then they're completely different on monday then that person isn't living a life of alignment or they're not actually being the person that they they say they are kind of a thing. And one of the things that my parents always pointed out about kids, especially they would say this in high school, is you can tell if, actually, just a person in general, you, they're like, you can tell if somebody is genuine, if they're the same person around their friends, and if they're the, and they're the same person with their parents, and they act the same way. And anyway, that was like the first thing that came to my mind when I heard that. I was like, I think that's just a... a individual like is that person genuine that's right that's right and that's where the word hypocrite comes from right hypocrite means we wear a mask so it's playing as that old roman you know we're playing a part we're playing somebody else we're putting a mask on to hide ourselves and so and that's the number one reason so many people don't go to church they go Mm -hmm. oh yeah i know that guy why would i waste an hour on sunday i know that guy lives just like me i get it i understand it yeah uh, get down to the last couple of questions here, and you can you can render this second to last one a, a a not good question if you think so, because we just talked about we talked about how uh, religion or, or not or faith is not a checklist. But are there like three most important maybe faith or spiritual habits that you have on a weekly basis that? make you feel like you're on that path to the best version of yourself that make you feel like you're on the path of loving God with your, with your full heart and whole soul and that you're uh, treating other people's uh, like you would like to be treated. Is there maybe three most important habits that help you do that? Yes. And, you know, and and I think you could use the word disciplines. I think in, yeah. in all of life, right. Disciplines are things that when we do them, we benefit from, but when we don't do them, we regret it. So mm-hmm. those disciplines, and here's the interesting part. And we say this to our crowd all the time. So our crowd's made of so many people that didn't grow up in church. And so they're, yeah. they're learning, man. They're, so we're trying, to, we're trying to put something on a shelf. Everybody can get it. 
we don't do these things for God to love us more. And I think that's what checklists become. Mm. Well, if I do this, then that makes God like me. And we say this line all the time. God loves you as much today as he's ever going to love you. But when you do these things, you learn to love him more. And so for me, it's reading his word. I do it every day. And man, if you go, man, Mike, I don't even know. I'm interested, but I don't know where to start. There's a great app called YouVersion. Y-O-U, YouVersion, number one app, number one Bible app in the world. It's probably one of the number one apps in the world because it's free. But there are um, a bazillion plans. Like you could say, I'm a big sports guy. Tony Dungy has written daily devotionals. And you could take a devotional by Tony Dungy and read it every day. All right. So it's a bite-sized discipline I can do every day thing, every day. Second thing that I do every day is I spend time talking to the Lord and letting him talk to me. And I do it while I'm riding into work or do it while I'm mowing. We were talking about mowing grass earlier. I like working on a ball field. I like edging. Man, it's, you know, we don't, we don't just have to pray on Sunday. Man, prayer is a constant conversation with God. And it's a two-way conversation. He talks to us through a lot of times through what we've read. He's never spoken to me audibly. So I'm not one of those guys that says, oh yeah, yeah, I know exactly. He's a deep baritone. You know, I, I have no idea what he sounds like, but I know when he's spoken. And so many times it's what I've read. And I think the third part of that discipline every day is to look around me to somebody I might be able to bless today. So mm-hmm. if every day I'm spending time in his word, I'm spending time in prayer and I'm spending time looking around to say, how can my life bless someone else today? That's a good day. And I think those would be three disciplines for me. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love those. I love those. Well, before I ask the last question, Mike, I just want to acknowledge you for the 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 deep thoughts and the deep work that you've done over the years to be able to bring kind of this wisdom to the table that I know so many people are going to be heavily impacted uh, from and, and they'll gain some clarity as to the disciplines or some of the things that they can continue to do on a, on a routine basis to get closer, to, to be on that path closer to the best version of themselves and be on that path to loving God with their whole heart and soul and treating their neighbor like themselves. Like that's me. Like now that's going to be imprinted into my brain. I'm going to be like, I'm going to put that down on a whiteboard or something in my room. And I'm like, I just got to make sure I'm doing this. I'm going to make sure I'm doing these disciplines and I am, I'm good to go. <laughs> uh, like, like you said, not a checklist, but anyways, it's given me a lot of clarity. I know it's given a, a lot of people clarity as well. So I want to acknowledge you for that. Of course, of course. Well, I know you guys are going to want to go learn more about Mike and and listen to him speak. So you get to follow him on Instagram at Mike Lynch. Uh, You can listen to his podcast, Lynch with a Leader Podcast, everywhere uh, that you listen. And you can find him at MikeLynch.com. And then also you can follow uh, North Star Church on YouTube. I was watching uh, your service from this past week and and really enjoyed it and and probably going to implement that into my routine here as well. So Uh, You guys can find them there and I'll have that all linked up in the show notes. But the last question, Mike, is I think that getting closer to the the best version of ourselves is both a constant journey and a unique journey. I think that we're never at that best version of ourselves, And I think that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So for you personally, if there are three things that you can currently do or three things that you can currently work on to get closer to that best version of Mike Lynch that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on? 
Yeah. So I think one would be relationally. So we're in that the empty nest season of life. It's just my wife and I mm-hmm. here now. And so I think for so many couples, those aren't great years. Your kids aren't there anymore. You're not running them around. It's just the two of us. I want them to be our best years. I think that would be number one. I think number two, you know, health. I think staying in, you know, I'm I'm 52 now. And man, I want my, I want this, I want going in and they used to call it the gun lap, right? So you're in that last season of work. I'm not going to work till I'm 80. I don't want to work till I'm 80. And so, you know, when I'm in this last season, I want it to be my best season. So my health's got to be good. So those are things I'm working on. And I think the third part of that is, I want to leave, I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave, I want to leave a ripple behind me that my life doesn't end when that date ends on the tombstone, but it lives in other people's lives long after I'm gone. Those are those would be my three things. Those are powerful. Those are powerful. I love that last one. Uh, love that last one as well. Well, that's all we got today, Mike. Thanks so much for for coming on the show. I know so many people got a lot of value from it. Uh, it was great. I hope you all enjoyed that inspiring episode on how to live a life of faith with Mike Lynch. Be sure you share this episode with a friend or family member. Be sure to rate it and review it on iTunes and the Apple Podcast app and let me know what your favorite takeaway was from Mike. Remember that getting closer to the best version of yourself is about loving God with your whole heart and soul and treating your neighbor as you would like to be treated. Those are the two most important commandments from Jesus's point of view and they really rung true with me today during this conversation with Mike. Remember that faith is about progress, not perfection. It's about a journey, not a destination. It's not a checklist to abide by, but rather a pathway to follow. And remember to put Mike's three most important disciplines into practice if you're looking on upgrading your spiritual life. You can read the Word of God, spend time talking and listening to the Lord, and look around for somebody that you can bless each and every day. If you can do this consistently, you will undoubtedly get closer and closer to your best you.